Many of you have heard the story of the Israelites who are in captivity, who are slaves in Egypt. And Moses was chosen by God, along with Aaron, to go to Pharaoh and to insist that they let his people go. But time and time again, they came to Pharaoh and they said, you better let our people go. And Pharaoh said, no. And so God said, okay, I'm going to show you who's really in charge. And so he brought about these things called plagues. And so we saw plagues of disease. We saw plagues of uh, gnats and other animals. We saw plagues of hail, you know, that began to took place. The reason I mention that is uh, because my bags were packed this week. Uh, what I mean by that is just like the Israelites, you know, being ready to go where God has called them to the promised land, proven by the plagues that were before him, my bags were packed just like many of yours. As you experienced this week, torrential rain, we experienced hail, we experienced snow, we continue to experience disease. Those of you in the Tri-Cities, you experienced a tornado, and then all of us felt, to some extent, an earthquake. What in the world is happening? So whether God's calling us to Canada or somewhere else, are you ready to go? You know, we're just making light. We're just having a little bit of fun. Uh, and speaking of fun, I did want to show you, you know, a few more memes. Uh, because last week on my social media, you had over 300 responses you know, to us having kind of a humorous perspective in the midst of this trying time as we're quarantined or the stay-at-home order you know, has gone into effect and continues to be extended where we are here in the inland northwest. So here are some of more of our favorite memes you know, that you uh, sent in. Uh, here's the first one. It says, just ask a six-year-old if he understands why there is no school. He said, yes, because they're out of toilet paper. And that is true. It still is an issue. People, what's up with the toilet paper? You're going to be just fine. Uh, or those of you who might be a little bit older, uh, this is one that kind of hit my heart here. It says, I think my generation is taking this extra serious because we remember how bad we were at Oregon Trail. Uh, those of you older may have to explain what that is to those who are younger. Uh, those of you still in the Star Wars you know, generation and uh, uh, um, understanding sci-fi and enjoying that, uh, here's Mr. Kylo Ren. Be like Kylo Ren. He wears a mask doesn't visit his elderly mom, socially and emotionally distant, and talks to his girlfriend only on Skype. And so that might be, you know, your encounter, your experience. Uh, married guys, sorry, this one uh, kind of made the list as well. Uh, thoughts and prayers going out to all the married men who spent months telling the wife, I'll do that when I got time. You got some time, guys, so sorry that uh, that's taking place. Uh, Easter is coming up, and so here was the number one uh, post meme that was for Easter. Are we telling the kids the Easter bunny's got the Rona? We all got to be on the same page here. And so I'm like, that one is pretty funny. Uh, I, these last two are my favorite. Uh, I'm kind of starting to understand why pets try to run out the house when the front door is open. When you're quarantined like this, you see that with your dogs, and I've seen already kids open the door, they're gone, you know, and I'm starting to feel the same way. And my favorite one, which was actually sent to me just this past week, in light of what I said last week, here's what it says. Good news, someone told the Amish. So uh, you have to reference last week uh, to get the full uh, experience or <laughs> hilarity behind that. Now we understand this is a very serious and very real time. But at the same time, we need to find moments of levity. We need to find moments of laughter and find moments of joy. So as we kick off today, do you want to know what really feels good? Do you want to know what feels great, you know, in our lives? It's simple, but it's true. Now, check this out. Finishing something. Finish something. 
It could be a checklist. It could be anything. I mean, just think about how you feel when you accomplish a task, when you get something done. There's just this feeling of, wow, that actually feels pretty good. And the greater the thing, the goal, or the objective you're, you're trying to shoot for, when that gets accomplished, the greater the feeling. Uh, so it might be something as simple as I mowed the lawn. Once you're done, you're like, hey, that feels pretty good. I uh, did the dishes. Hey, that feels pretty good. I not only folded, but I put my laundry away. Hey, that feels good because I accomplished the goal. I got something done. This last week, uh, my boys and I had an opportunity to do kind of an in-home project. And so uh, we had to put together just what uh, would seem to many of you to be like, that's a very simple task. But to us non-technical, I should say mechanical guys, uh, we worked together and we put together this toy box. And so I think we got a, a picture of that so you can see it's completed, it's done, it's for all the outdoor equipment you know, uh, that we have. But when we were done, we literally celebrated. We high-fived, we chest-bumped with one another because we did an in-home project without mom. Yep, in our house, mom is probably more qualified and skilled than all three of us combined. But what a feeling, right? It is finished. We got it done. One last example. Many of you know, uh, even if it doesn't look like it right now, that 10 months ago, I completed a 70.3 half Ironman. And I spent hours of training, uh, swimming, uh, biking, and slogging. And yes, I do call it slogging because I'm not really running for most of it. Uh, I slog my way through it. And with my training partners and the encouragement that I got from Eric and Kenny, as well as uh, Reed and Joe, you know, there's just so, so many people who helped me to actually get to the race. But then I had to do the race. I had to go jump in the water. And when I did, and, and you, you go 1.2 miles, you get out, you're like, whew, one down, two to go. And then you're biking for hours, and you finally get to over 50 miles. You're like, you're so close, and, and then you get into the finish line, but no, you're not done. Then you get to run a half marathon. You get to run 13 miles, and I can tell you that that last five of the six miles was incredibly painful. I wasn't feeling good as it was. My body just not feeling good. It's shutting down, but I wanted to finish. I wanted to complete it, and I'll never forget turning the corner onto Sherman Avenue. And seeing the finish line in sight. And with all the aches and all the pains, I saw friends, I saw family members as they cheered me on down that final home stretch. In fact, when I saw my wife, I remember just beginning to cry. The emotion was just too much for me to keep inside. And she said, you're not done yet. So I, I finished and I got through. And then they did something. The, the medical people said, you don't look so good. I said, I don't even know what I, where I am, what I'm doing. They, they brought a chair over and they helped me into the chair. But then someone put this on me. And, and this may not mean much to you, but this means a lot to me. This is the medal they gave. Now, you might be able to find this medal you know, uh, at a Goodwill store. It's, it's not, its value isn't in what it was created for, its value is what it means. And right here, it says, finisher. I finished. And for me, from a physical standpoint, pushing my body to that point, and yet finishing, I'll never forget that moment for the rest of my life. There's something about finishing that really means a difference to all of us. You see, today, we're going to look at Jesus, who ran a much harder and more impactful race that didn't just affect him, but affects all of us. 
In fact, in John chapter 19, verse 28, it says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and so to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. See, we've been in a series called The Passion. And we've looked at the significance of the cross, but we've more importantly, we've focused in on what are the sayings from the cross. Jesus was so intentional that it wasn't just his act, it's what he said from the cross that is something for us to understand, to emulate, and even to apply into our lives. Now, words matter, especially when they have meaning behind them. Words matter to a great extent. Well, you, can, you can read a word, but, but there's something when, when it, somebody says something to you. There's something that's really impactful that goes beyond the word that has great power and significance. Let's start with something like this. You hear the words, to you, you are hired. That has impact. What if you hear the other side, which I know some of you had this week? I'm sorry, we're going to have to let you go. See, the impact of the words is greater because of the meaning behind those words, especially when it affects us. Uh, they can be really positive, like, it's a boy. I mean, some of you experienced those words or somebody told you it was a boy, and what did, that, what did that make you feel? The other side, you could hear words that someone says, I, I, I want a divorce. Or maybe somebody else, you know, says, I'm sorry, but you have cancer. Or I'm sorry, but your father has passed away. See, even right now, as I mentioned that, some of you are feeling some emotion because those words have great meaning to you, great significance. On the positive side, what about those words when someone said, I'm proud of you, I choose you, you are healed, you are set free. Words have great meaning, and it's because we serve a God who created us to not only experience the power of words, but to also give the power of words. In fact, words were used to bring life into existence. And in the beginning, when it was just God, it says these words in Genesis chapter 1. It says, then God said. And then all of a sudden, creation came to life. God said there's sun and there's moon and there's stars. God said he spoke these things into existence, plants and, and animals and, and all of these things. And then humanity itself is created after God said. In fact, in the New Testament, in John 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. The word gave life to everything that was created, everything, and his life brought light to everyone. See, it's important. This is so important to understand because like I said earlier, there's some words that Jesus said from the cross, and in this section, he says three words. He says the words, I am finished. But in its original language, it's only one word, one word, and it's pronounced this. To tell us die. So I want you to repeat that after me. Just say it out loud. To tell us die. Good. 
Now, I need you to say it with a little bit more intensity, all right? A little, little bit more passion. And so if you're around anybody else or you're by yourself, you can shout it out by look at somebody else and say, Tetelestai. Well done, well done. See, what does this word mean? Because it's just a word, but it has incredible significance. It means to be paid in full, finished, and fully complete. See, in the first century, when this language was used in the day, a painter who would complete a magnificent art piece and would finally finish and put the, put the, the, the brush down would say, to Tetelestai. The hiker who would climb the highest peak, who would finally reach the top, would say, to Tetelestai. The bank manager, you know, would all of a sudden write the documents, and when you finally finish that last payment, would write it, you know, on the parchment paper, to Tetelestai. It is finished. Another way to say it is paid in full. See, Jesus says this word, it is finished. I need you to understand this. This is probably the most significant word, the most significant saying that you and I will ever hear and understand. And I want to unpack that for you because the question becomes, what is finished? What is finished? See, Jesus says it is finished. And to the common person, they might say, well, you know, he's, he, 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 he's just done. He's just dying. He's just spewing some things out. And he just wanted to say, as people can randomly do it when they're at their final breath, to say, you know what? I'm done. It's finished. But there was so much weight to those words that you need to understand. The first would be, the system is finished. The system. See, the Old Testament sacrificial system was put in place because we separated ourselves from God. God gave us a choice in the garden as we're walking with him and things are all good and to the right and everything's great. And he says, hey, just a couple things. Do these things, but don't do this. So you don't eat, you know, the whole apple, forbidden fruit, that kind of stuff. So sin enters the land. And God says, I've got to set up a system because sin requires punishment. It requires a sacrifice. So God sets up a sacrificial system where people would then sacrifice animals and they'd set up this, this uh, way to connect to God you know, through uh, prophets and through priests and through kings that we'd be able to still have relationship with God. And when Jesus says the word, it is finished, that old system went away like that. How do we know? Well, Matthew, who's one of the writers of Jesus' life, he's writing to a Jewish audience who would understand the importance of the sacrificial system. And in one of the places, you know, uh, what Matthew tells is that there's a, there's a section in the, uh, in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And what would separate people from God's dwelling, from God's presence in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was held would be this large curtain that would go from the very top of the temple to the very, very bottom and that nobody could enter into that area but the most high priest and what it could only do it on occasion mostly once a year on behalf of the people. So I want you to notice what takes place in Matthew 27 verse 50. It says, then Jesus shouted out again, to Telestai, and he released his spirit. But at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. How incredible is that? That the old system 
is no longer there. You and I now have direct access to God. We no longer have to go through a rabbi or a high priest in order to cast our prayers or to never have connection with God. That because of what Jesus did by him dying on the cross when he said it is finished, the old system, the old sacrificial system would be no more. In fact, it's incredibly significant that Jesus died on what's called Passover. See, I mentioned it earlier on that Aaron and Moses came to Pharaoh and just continued to ask, let my people go, and God brought these plagues. Well, the last plague, what he told his people was, hey, I want you to find an unspotted lamb. I want you to find the most perfect animal that you possibly can, and I want you to sacrifice that animal, and I want you to take its blood, and I want you to put it on our doorpost, on your doorpost, so that when the angel of death comes, it will pass over your house and lives will be spared. People will literally be saved because of the sacrifice of the lamb. And from that point on, Israel would celebrate Passover on a, very, on a yearly basis. When Jesus says, it is finished, it's actually Passover. The reason that's important is because earlier on in Jesus' life, as he begins his ministry, John, who happens to be John the Baptist and his cousin, looks out and in front of others, he says this in John 1, 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the final sacrifice once and for all time that would bring us back to God. No longer will we need an old system. No longer will we need a sacrificial system, but we could have connection with God. The system is finished which leads us to the second and maybe more significant for us is sin is finished as well. Sin is finished. You see, all of us have a debt and the debt we can't pay by just doing good works. We can't pay by, by trying to say, well, if I said those five bad things, I'm gonna say 15 nice things and that's gonna cover the five bad things. No, those five bad things are still in the air. Those five bad things still have consequence. You know, they still have meaning in people's lives. And so all of us have said, all of us has fall short of the glory of God, but there's a payment that must be made, a debt that has to be taken care of. Christ's sacrifice paid that price for us. In fact, I know no other scripture that clearly says what we're talking about today than 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Paid in full. That's what he's saying when he says the word to die. It is finished. He paid a debt he did not owe. In fact, this last week, I learned from uh, our, our staff and, and specifically from a guy by the name of Louis Giglio, you know, who, tell, who, who I, I watched a sermon on this whole word called tetelestai. And what he says is that that word tetelestai is a perfect passive indicative verb. A perfect passive indicative verb. Now, does that mean anything to you? No, me neither. I have no idea. Like, why is that even important? Here's why that's important and it kind of blew my mind. Get this. Perfect tense means that the progress of the action is complete and the result of that action is ongoing with full effect. Let that sink in for just a second. 
Let, let me put it maybe a little simpler. When we put our trust and our lives into Jesus, you and I are fully set free to tell us die it is finished by our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins have all been paid for. It is finished. That's something to celebrate. That's something to rejoice with. Not only is the system is finished, sin is finished, but finally when Jesus yells out to Telestai, self is finished. It's no longer about me. In fact, in Luke chapter 23, uh, Jesus tells us what this is all about. Verse 46, it says, Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. What a model and example. That even in the end, he's saying, God, I trust you. And I entrust who I am to you to fulfill your purpose and your way. In fact, Luke 9, 23 says it this way. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way to say it's not going to be about me anymore. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's free to us, but it costs Jesus everything. You see, his last word is our first word. His last breath is our first breath. It's called being born again. When you finally say, Jesus, it's not about my life. Because you said it is finished, I can put my life on the shelf and I can live a life that represents you. Because when he died, we lived. Another way to say this is in 1 Peter 2, 24. Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. It's not just dying to yourself. You need to understand this very clearly. When you die to yourself, when you give yourself to God, he actually gives us new life. It's not like, oh, now I've just, it's not about me and I can't think about me. No, no, no. He gives a life of meaning and significance. In fact, in Galatians chapter 2.20, it says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have this new life, this new creation. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. And he gave himself for you. His mission was done. But our mission was about to begin. See, when Jesus said, it is finished, it's done for him. But when he said, it is finished, it's almost like the starting gun goes off into our lives as we surrender ourselves to him. So as we wrap up on this day, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, to remember that our work is not finished. This is the beginning. In fact, as we go into this holy week, the week where we celebrate our risen Savior, we're going to celebrate the beginning. We're going to celebrate new life. We're going to celebrate new purpose. We celebrate Easter. We celebrate the resurrection and what that means. Because the resurrection is what proves to tell us die to be true. So what is your next step? 
maybe your next step, wherever you may be watching from, whenever you may be watching, is to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe it's in times like these, more than any other, that you finally stop and pause and reflect that maybe, just maybe, this is true. And if it's true, it changes everything. For some of you, I'm gonna encourage you this week, why not get baptized? Why not make that next step, that next commitment to come? Come down during the food room times and come down with your family. We'll do the social distancing. But what a week to say, yes, Jesus, I choose you because you have already chosen me. Or maybe for those of you who are already followers of Christ, that you remember the mission is still going on through you and through me. We have an opportunity now, maybe more than ever, in the history of our own lives, that people are open to receiving an invitation, open to receiving a relationship, open to receiving the idea that Jesus may really be real and true. So I'm gonna challenge you. Can you invite them to come and join you through a watch party, maybe online, through YouTube, through Vimeo, through the different ways that we're having this platform to experience the resurrected King who resurrects me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. I thank you that our work is not yet finished. And I pray right now for everyone who is watching that they would just self-reflect, realizing what it means when you said, it is finished. That the old system, Lord, is gone. That, that our sin is finished and so is our lives so that we can experience new life in you. So I pray a blessing on everyone who's watching now that you would lead and guide them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.